Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. What's up everyone, you're listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast, your number one source for all things Chelsea. Ooh, what a week. It's been a little bit quieter this week, but we've got a Champions League quarter-final to review against Lille. We're playing Real Madrid, and who's actually going to buy Chelsea Football Club? Now here are your hosts, all the way from the UK, Mikey Berth and Chris. Welcome back everyone to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. Uh, we, look, we did have some audio issues on Monday's episode, only half of the episode got uploaded. Um, I've given myself a stern talking to in the mirror about how poorly I edited that episode. And Berth's not here because he's um, the fall guy for this, so I'm going to blame him. It's totally his fault, wasn't anything to do with me who did all the editing and uploading it. No, he's uh, he's missing tonight, but um, he'll be back, he'll be back for Monday, he'll be back to uh, review Middlesbrough. We're joined with the resident tactics expert, Chris. Yes, I'm keeping that going. Uh, how are you doing tonight, dude? I really like the introduction, to be fair, and I appreciate <laughs> it. Not sure everyone will agree, but can't please everyone, can you? But no, oh. I'm all right. Um, not too bad. Uh, I'm kind of annoyed that it's another international break coming up. I'm not going to lie. Just... Oh, love them. Just what a waste of time they are, really. And just feel like we was getting into some sort of flow in terms of games again. And then it's like, oh, have another international break, which is an absolute waste of time. Yeah, but you got to admit, though, it does sort of help our finances a little bit because we don't yeah, have to travel. True. I can't believe I'm saying that about a Premier League team. Just in general, the fact that it could affect our finances just travelling to a game. <laughs> it's, it's madness it should be solved soon uh we are going to do another round of who is that former blue and this former blue he joined us from Anderlecht he played 118 games he's played alongside James Milner Wayne Bridge and Giuseppe Rossi hope you all remember him and finally he also has an Olympic gold medal any ideas No. <laughs> oh, that gold medal, I thought, my, it's nothing ridiculous before anyone thinks, what, did he win it in, like, weightlifting? No, he won it in football. <laughs> it's nothing. It's so, obviously, the team that he was part of, the national team he was part of, won Olympic gold. It's nothing. Really, I, I was, ugh, there's no players I could find anywhere that would play for Chelsea that have got, like, a, a gold medal in judo. So No, that would be weird. What a shame. That'd be awesome. I'd love to know. Who, who'd that be? Hmm. Diego Costa. He could, he could do a bit of karate or judo. I'm pretty That's sure. Fair. Yeah. If he's not kicked out for um, breaking rules, just, you know. But with that, we're going to head straight to that newsroom and see what the latest is at Stamford Bridge. Oh, news is back. Um... Yeah, let's see what the weekly weekly roundup is in the elevator of Chelsea news. Chelsea applied to the FA to have the game against Middlesbrough played behind closed doors, and then they later retracted that request. 
The UK government will not decide who buys Chelsea. It will be the Rain Group who are acting on behalf of Roman Abramovich and they will choose the preferred bidder ahead of the Friday deadline, after the Friday deadline. Before Chelsea's sanctions, Antonio Rudiger had an agreement with Chelsea for wages, but not a signing-on fee. Yeah, that, that, that's it. I mean, a short hop. Felt like we might as well have uh, taken the stairs there instead of breaking uh, down any of them stories. I mean, there's no point. Um, but it, it's, it's Chelsea takeover, deadline day. Happy deadline day. Oh, can't believe it. Um, right. I'm going to lead. I am going to lead with an excellent question that was aimed at you, actually, Chris. So that's beneficial. You are here tonight. Fantastic. Uh, and then we'll talk a bit of deadline. And it's from Caleb Seekins at Tinker Toast. Love that username. Um, he's asked who the new owner should be. And he's put not a specific personal group, but rather what kind of person stroke owner they need to be to fit the mould and to continue Chelsea's success. Oh, big question. Big question. It Many is, answers. It is a big question. I think. I do think people are getting a little bit carried away with them being a Chelsea fan. I don't think that's necessarily important, if I'm mm. honest. Um when Abramovich bought us, he wasn't a Chelsea fan. So I I think the main thing that I'd like to see in the in the new owner, in a way, oddly enough, is is still that ruthless streak that Abramovich has. Oh, okay. I think that's I think that's gonna be key. I, mainly because I know us as fans, we've all moaned uh, about at least one manager sacking. We haven't agreed with them all. Mm. We've, to be fair, we've probably disagreed with more sackings than we've agreed with in Abramovich's reign. But he never settled for anything but the best. And as soon as it looked like we were starting to accept mediocrity, he, he made a change. And I think that's the most important thing that I'd want to see in a new owner. Because if you look at clubs like Arsenal, Man United, their owners, they put a lot of money in. Arsenal, not, not, not as much as Man United, obviously, but Arsenal do still spend you know relatively large sums of money on transfers. Man United have put a lot of money into their squad. Mm. And they don't have anywhere near the success we do. And I think people are getting too caught up in the owners being mega rich and I don't think I am so glad you've said that because that is all I've kept thinking about this week everyone pointing yeah. towards certain bids because of what they're putting forward now I'm going to stress this now I'm happy to be shot down but we know the richest owners in football are the owners of Newcastle and then it's Man City and PSG but let me put this forward one of the most richest owners is Dietmar Hopp of Hoffenheim who's got a fortune of nine and a half billion pounds. I bet you couldn't tell me the record purchase for Hoffenheim. They doesn't no. always mean that, that for the record, I cannot pronounce his name and I'm so sorry, but he was bought a couple of seasons ago from Salzburg for 12.6 million. And his name, I think is pronounced Samasku, I think. But that there, there you go. It doesn't just because someone is rich does not mean they're going to spend a ton of money. It it just it really doesn't. And no. another thing that I feel I've said this in a 
previous episodes way back and I keep stressing it I kind of in a way will be looking towards an owner who doesn't go for the big name signing now we know for all on a football level we're going to be talking football not outside of football activities here but Roman picked big name signings he brought Shevchenko in when Mourinho looked at him and thought he's not going to fit the system I don't want him but my owner wants him because the owner of this club wants him because it's one of his favourite players. Huge fee. And yeah, he scored some cracking goals. He didn't score many, but he did score some cracking finishes. But he didn't fit the system and he left. We bought Werner. And this is where I'm getting to. Werner didn't fit the system, but we signed him. Lukaku, he clearly doesn't fit our system that we seem to be having. We bought him. Havertz. He didn't fit the system at the time because, again, it was a different system. We have so many players fitting different systems, as I keep saying. But he's obviously come good, so we've got no issues there. Kepper, Kepper was, we paid the release clause because we know what Courtois left us in that situation, so we had no real choice. Torres, again, big name player, signed for a big fee because he was a big name, would sell jerseys and all that sort of thing. And he was coming off injury, so he weren't his prolific best. I want us to do what's best for the team, what's best for Tuckle or whoever the manager is at the time. And one final point. I know some people went, oh, we'll end up like Liverpool with American owners. That's not a bad thing because they, in, they, they, they invest in the team what Klopp wants, the vision. Look at Jota. When he was signed, even I was one to think, why? It's, Jota's not that impressive. He's just a he's an, a, a good player, but he's not world class. Brahim um, Diaz, Brahim Diaz, yeah, Diaz from Porto. He's good, but is he Salamane level? Well, I don't really think so. Wow, he's fitted into the team perfectly. I want someone who backs a manager thoroughly, but also knows where the right buy is. If you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. That, that, that's my point, really. I, I mean, I do think a lot of people you see on social media and stuff are calling for the richest owner possible. But throwing money at it isn't a guarantee of success. Man United are proof of that, that they've oh, spent yeah. so much money on their squad and they can't get successful of the money. Now, you're right about Liverpool. Yes, their owners don't throw money around. But they still spend, again, sizable fees on the right player. You know, they paid 75 million for Van Dijk, paid 70 million for Allison. So if they have to pay the money, they will. Uh, but they Offset the Coutinho this. fee, though, wasn't it? Well, yeah. yeah. We, we've been doing that for the past few years. Oh, yeah. anyway. we, we've only been spending, really, the money that we've been making. So mm. I haven't got a problem with that model. Because... I think if you've got a top coach and you give them players who fit their system, they will always get more out of that player than they perhaps have shown previously. Mm. So I think that could only be a good thing for us long-term because most of our big money signings don't work out anyway. Yeah. So like I said, the, the main thing I want is never settle for okay when we could when we're so much better than that, because I think as soon as you start celebrating, finishing fourth, you're in trouble as a club. Yeah. 
because that's where Arsenal and Man United are now. Finishing fourth is like a trophy to them, and it's that's why they don't win anything. Yeah, yeah, you're spot on. Themselves. You're spot on. It, it, the fees thing, you brought up Man United, £1.3 billion pounds they've spent since Fergie retired. I think. I think it was around that. Yeah. What, it, they got, it, they've got, they've got a Europa League to show for it. I mean, I, I've just pulled up their record signings over the year, well, over the last, well, from Wan-Bissaka at £50 million. Wow. That hasn't worked. Fred, fifty over £50 million, hasn't worked. Martial, no. Bruno, yeah, I'd say that's a, you can't say that's not a success. But he's having a drop-off, but that's not the point. When he was bought, his impact was insane. Di Maria, hasn't worked. Lukaku, didn't work. Sancho, really early to say, but I would say he, he could really ease that potential, but, you know. Uh, Maguire, <laughs> I'll leave that. Um, and Pogba, well, that hasn't really worked to a, I mean, again... They haven't become a Bayern off of a team with all those big money signings. Liverpool, you could argue, I know, with the Van Dijk and the Allison, But the thing is, they got the right players for the system. Instead of going, we'll go for a big name. He's the best. We'll get him. We'll get him. No. What do we need for this team? What missing piece? What will add? It works. And that's the model I would like. Yeah. yeah. Um, on that, I have seen, I did see this morning. I've got to bring it up. John Terry and a consortium are going to, they're going for a 10% stake in Chelsea for £250 million. Like Dragon's Den. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's like cool. And he wants a, like fans involved with the board. And I was like, this is awesome. I, you, and then I saw the words fire NFTs. And I thought, oh no, John, no, please stop that. I hate NFTs so much. I had it on my Instagram pop up and it said, um, purchase an nft profile pic no no i don't want nfts involved you can give someone a place on the board like obviously the chelsea community i can't remember the exact they're the what the community trust is it might be wrong apologies if that's not the right one you know we want them on the board a position 100 percent. but when you don't need to give them an nft to get their place on the board not no my, not, it, i think come on I also do. I also do think now that that's a dangerous thing to to start. What buying NFTs? I agree. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm with you. I hate them. I don't. Oh, know they're terrible. What about and John Terry's got to drop that because it's really irritating. Um, mm. No, I think the the call for fans to be on the board now. I understand it from a from one point of view that yeah. obviously. The club is for the fans, so they should have a voice. But at the same time, you've got to be very careful about what fans are we listening to because some fans are mental. And it shows really like in things like this. Transfer windows are the prime example for bringing out terrible football fans. Who won the transfer That's window, isn't it? Yeah, they're like, oh, let's just sign him, 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 him and him. Like... You see it now, don't you, with it's like at the end of this season, there's so many good players who are free agents mm. and fans are like, oh, get him, him, him and him. Well, where are they all playing in this team? Like yeah. they're signing like three people as free agents who all play the same position. As I say, it, it's not FIFA. It doesn't yeah. work like that. Exactly. Now, I, I imagine there would be a 
obviously it when they say fans it's not going to be you know a, a fan from the street it's probably going to yeah. be someone from chelsea pitch owners or mm. or something like that um so, so in one way that's good but i do think again you just have to be a little bit careful about how much power you give to fans because i mean i think even tuckle said it in his press conference that everyone lords over the the bundesliga 50 plus one rule yeah, yeah. he said that that's got a lot of negatives to it so you know it's a trade-off I, as long as we get an owner who has the best interest of the club at heart, I think is the key. I 100% agree. And you said about free agents. This summer seems to be the best off-season for bargain pickups on a free because you've got Mbappe, you've got Pogba, you've got Frank Kessie, Brozovic, Dybala, Rudiger, Christensen, Dembele, um, Ginter, uh, Lacazette as well, Romagnoli, uh, Di Maria. So many huge high-profile names. But... Where are they all going to fit? You know, you can't just pick them. Um, yeah, this isn't FIFA. It doesn't work like that. It really doesn't. Um, we're not, we can't really go too much into the, the the bidding situation. We probably will be able to Monday because obviously the deadline is nine o'clock. At time of recording, that's three hours away. So anything could happen. I've seen some surprising names pop up in the last hour as well that I never thought would ever pop up again in Chelsea history. But hey, we'll see how it goes. We really will. Um, yeah, I've, uh, there was one final bit to Caleb's question. He did put, if Werner moves on, who can replace his speed and positioning? Any quick thoughts on that one? Don't need to. Oh. I, 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 our fast players are completely redundant in the way that we play. We play a possession-based game with a slow build-up, so fast players, players in our team never use their pace anyway because we don't play on the quick we don't play quick on the counter attack mm. every transition we get we slow the game back down again so speed is relatively pointless to us what makes you think we're a possession based side <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of a rhetorical isn't it yeah uh, exactly uh well after chelsea took the long walk to Lille, kepper grabbed a coffee on the way don't worry everyone he used a voucher it was a free it didn't come out of our budget for the trip. It was a bit of a poor first half, probably some tired legs. But we we came away with a 2-1 win, resulting in a 4-1 aggregate victory. Takes us to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. We know we're going to get Real Madrid. We'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, what do you think was more frustrating for Chelsea fans, though? That first half against Lille or the media's attitude towards our club this week? Well... When we could do a whole episode on the way the media. I know it's oh some but, articles. I'm just some journalists, no names because we don't do that here. I I know I won't be reading their articles again because I'm like, well, this is just clickbait to wind people up. It it, it is yeah. it is but, definitely is. Yeah, but that first half from Lille. Oh, I mean, to be honest with you, I I think the only reason why people thought we improved so much in the second half is because the first half was so bad. I don't think we were sparkling in the second half, to be honest. But that, I, I mean, I put in our in our private group chat that I did not like that line-up from, from the get-go. Mm. It invited all the pressure in a, a really good atmosphere inside the stadium. The Lille fans was on it from the start. And when you're playing in that sort of game, you have to take control of the game. And we didn't because we gave them all the impetus by playing nine defenders and two attackers. 
I, I'll, I'll get this out of the way now because I, I don't know whether, it, whether I'll get a chance to bring it up later. I'll start by saying, because I know people like to jump on, on, on people and say, oh, you want Tuchel to get sacked? I don't want Thomas Tuchel to get sacked. I think he's an incredible coach, but he got away with one on Wednesday night. The way, the way he set the team up was wrong. The way he approached the game was wrong. Lil was come and played a really high press. Like I said, that I thought they might do on Monday's episode. Um, and I said then, go back to front. Get them turned and get people running in behind and relieve the pressure. We didn't do that. We kept trying to play out and giving the ball away. And it kept the crowd involved for that entire first half. It gave Lil belief that we can hurt these because they keep giving the ball away. So everything that was set up in that game was wrong. And Tuckle has to take responsibility for that because I think whether you do it on purpose or by accident, when you put that many defensive players in a in a team, you are telling your team without saying anything, we're going to be on the back foot today. We are going to come here, defend, get out with with going through, and that's it. And I think that really negative approach. I honestly believe if we was playing a better team, that 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 tie would have been level at halftime. Um, yeah, that was the weakest team out of that we could have yeah. drawn, and because even almost Lil, admit, oh, Lil aren't a good team. They, no, no way, not this season. No, uh, so. I mean, we're talking about a Champions League where we could have been playing Bayern Munich in that game. And if you're mm. playing a Bayern Munich and you give them that sort of impetus in a game and that sort of control over it, that's a game that's over at halftime. So mm. I, I, I really hope that Tuchel learns from that because that was that was really his sort of Pep Guardiola moment for me where Guardiola takes a lot of stick for in the Champions League overthinking games. I think it was two seasons ago when they got knocked out by Leon. Oh, no right, could, yes. And no one could understand what he did in the second leg. Uh, and they got knocked out by losing at home to a Leon team, which was not was poor at best. Uh, that was Tuchel's Guardiola moment for me, where he just approached the game all wrong. Um, hopefully, we learn from that, and he doesn't do that again, because, like I said, we do it against a better team, we're going out. Yeah, I, I mean... Positives, I mean, Aspiquetta, I mean, it was a captain's performance. Uh, so much so, I, I was just inspired that I took my shirt in for work in honour of just how good he was. Uh, I mean, he, he really came up. He came up clutch. And, yeah, I mean, in a way, it was a comfortable win after the early scare. And I do understand why many fans were frustrated about like, the slow pace and the lack of bite in that first half. And it was the sort of controlled performance by the 65th minute that we kind of got used to at the back end of last season. Yeah, I think, though, I think we only took control of the game after Azpilicueta scored and Lil accepted that they was going out. Yeah, and that's never a good thing. It really... So that wasn't that wasn't really us taking control of the game. That was them just accepting that this game's over. So the intensity dropped off and the game just sort of petered out to nothing. Yeah, we, but, we we took control of the the uh, circumstance. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you know the fir- the first half we didn't have a single shot, not a shot on target. We didn't have a single shot until Pulisic scored, which was right on the stroke of half time, mm. which was a great goal, unbelievable. Yeah. 
But you saying that, I saw it pop up on Twitter. My research suggests this is incorrect, but it seems to be a, a stat that is out there, so I'll say it. Christian Pulisic versus Eden Hazard. Pulisic has the same number of Champions League goals as Eden does. I mean, I don't know whether that shows that Pulisic is an underrated player in our team or that Hazard was better in the league than in the Champions League. I mean, to be fair, Hazard has always took some stick for his performances in the Champions League because he mm. never did quite hit the heights that he did in the Premier League. I'm not sure that can be true, though. I don't remember Pulisic scoring that many goals for us in the Champions League. I don't, I don't know whether they mean in his career because when I did my research on this and I was using transfer mark as my source... Pulisic hasn't scored as many. <laughs> yeah. But it's even close, even when you compare both. So I sort of thought, well, okay. I mean, did are they including what he did at Dortmund? Did he score many for Dortmund in the Champions League? I don't know. Well, Because he was only really young at Dortmund, so I wouldn't have thought he would have had that much of an impact in, in the Champions League. Right. I'll put it up right now, because it was an absolute curious, curious stat. But I'm pretty certain that it's wrong. I mean, not to disagree with all these media outlets that will put it out, but I'm convinced it's wrong. And hang on, I'll just put it up. Stats by competition for both. No point doing it by club, because if it, they're doing it that way. Right. International Cups. He has scored twice for Dortmund in the Champions League. Yeah, and five times for us, so seven goals. If we're going to do, yeah, for obviously Hazard, he scored. Now we've got to remove the Europa League goals, which is that's four, five, six, seven. He scored ten. Yeah, so, so Hazard we... scored more overall, and he didn't score any for Lille, and he's only scored one for Real Madrid. So that puts him still higher than Pulisic. Yeah. Well, this is what I mean. I did, I did the review research and I just thought, I don't get this. I th- but it was being put out there by BT Sport and other outlets. And that's why I was thinking, I don't want to tell them off, but I've got a feeling that someone said something, they just got ahead of the narrative and went, oh yeah, it's a great stat. Let's put that out there, guys. And it's like, it's kind of wrong. To... Yeah. I mean, the other one about him was he's the first American to score in two legs of a Champions League tie against the same team or something. Uh, that's I said that one, oh yeah. Which I thought possible. that's probably right. Yeah, I'm trying to think wrong. of big name players that would have been in the Champions League from America. I'd think Claudio Reyna maybe for Man City if they were in there that time. I can't, don't think. Uh, Clint Dempsey definitely wasn't. No, um, no other names come to mind. Uh, yeah. Talking of strikers though, Dropping Lukaku did work in our favour, but I, I don't know how we're going to accommodate him given the fact that during the time when he was injured, we won games easily, and now the same's happening again. Yeah. I mean, I personally think he should be coming back in. I mean, when I seen the lineup and he'd gone with the 5 3 2, I couldn't believe. I mean, Pulisic scored, so, you know. I'm going to hold my hands up to that, but I couldn't believe that Pulisic was starting over Lukaku. If you're going to play a front two, although actually with the way that we played, like I said, still trying to build up possession, it makes sense now. Um, 
But if you look at the way Lille played, there was so much space in behind them. You could have just put Lukaku in down the sides and Havertz on the other side. And we would have had so much more joy than trying to force the ball into Jorginho, Kante, Kovacic when they was being crowded out. It just didn't make any sense. From Lukaku's point of view, though, I don't see how he gets back in the team now, if I'm honest. Um, people keep talking about not suiting the system. I, I still think that it's it's not necessarily him not suiting the system. It's the fact that he's being misjudged for the kind of striker that he is. He's be constantly being used as a back-to-goal, target-man, Giroud-type striker, and that's not what he is. If you no. look at the way Havertz plays... Lukaku is a lot closer in terms of playing style to what Havertz is doing than to what he's being asked to do when he comes on. He doesn't drop off and play in that sort of half position as well as Havertz. But Havertz is making a lot of runs down the channel and being found by early balls. That's what Lukaku feeds off. I I just think he's being misused and being misjudged. And to be honest with you, I think every time he's come on, I don't think you can fault his attitude, actually, since since being dropped. Every time you see him, he's always smiling and joking. He's not sat on the bench sulking. He's coming on even when he's only getting eight minutes here and there. He's not sulking about it. When he's coming on, he's, he's pressing more. He's never going to press as well as a Havertz or a Werner. It's just not in him. Mm. But, you know, some players are like that. But he's pressing more than he was before, and he's certainly moving a lot more than he was before. I, personally, I just think we're not even at the end of his first season. And if you're giving up on a £100 million signing after that long, then I'm surprised we're, well, let's face it, without Abramovich's money, that's why we'd be in so much debt, because we keep making these big money signings and then writing them off straight away. Because you've got to remember, before last May, before the Champions League final, mm-hmm. most fans had wrote Kai Havertz off. You know what? I can't cast my mind back if that how accurate that is. That's not me disrespecting your opinion. I'm just genuinely, I can't remember. So, But I wouldn't be shocked by that because we do have a habit of going, they're done. Yeah. I think what doesn't help Lukaku, and we all know what I'm going to say, the interview, it doesn't help. I think that's what's upset a lot of fans, and I totally understand it. And that's why I think it's quick. Basic. If he was scoring goals, the interview all of a sudden becomes irrelevant, and we all know that's true because if you score goals, especially as a striker, you get forgiven a lot. When you stop scoring goals and you have other stuff that's happened, interview, you're gonna get that stick. You, you it's just yeah. part of it. It's gonna happen. But like on the flip side of that. I would bring up as well. I mean, I, I agree. I, I think the interview killed him with most of the fans. So a bad run of form coinciding with that wasn't helpful for anybody. Uh, aside from, I think, the first maybe 10, 15 minutes where Havertz showed some really nice touches, he was completely marshaled out of the game by that Sven Botman. Yeah, he was really good, I must admit. Yeah. He had a really good performance and Havertz was marked out of the game. So this is what I mean. The problem that we're going to have is Kai Havertz at the moment is in an incredible vein of form. But when, if he continues this form, eventually 
teams will start to set up to negate what he's doing. And then he has to adapt again. And I mm-hmm. think that's that's the thing that people miss with this is why so many players have such a good run of form and everyone thinks, oh my God, that's such a good player. And then all of a sudden they fall off the edge of a cliff. Like Papa Cissé at Newcastle's prime example. Where he was scoring worldy week after week and everyone was like, oh, I'd pay 70 million for him. And then the season after, he couldn't hit a barn door. <laughs> because because once, once you're viewed as a really good player and an important player in a team, teams then set up differently against you. And I think at the minute, teams aren't necessarily setting up to stop Kai Havertz. But if he carries on playing the way he is, they will. And then it's how he reacts to that. So people saying, you know, let Werner go, let Lukaku go, we can build around Kai Havertz. That's fine if he can carry on playing like this, even when he's being man-marked. Like, you look at the way Hazard used to get marked in matches. I remember, was it uh, Man United? I think when Mourinho was in charge of Man United. Uh, FA Cup game, and he just sat under Herrera on Hazard and just said, follow him everywhere mm. the whole game. Havertz hasn't experienced anything like that yet. No, no, where, it's true. Where teams will do that, or they'll put two men on you, or they'll put three men on you, and they'll look at what area of the pitch you like to operate in, and they'll put an extra body in there. And I think this is why it's so much harder for someone like Lukaku, for example, because he's seen straight away as a world-class number nine. Teams would have set up to defend against Lukaku as soon as we signed him. Yeah, Every, yeah exactly. Everyone would have said, Mark Lukaku, and we'll have a chance. Havertz hasn't had that yet, and that's going to be a tester for him. I think if not by if not between now and the end of the season, at the start of next season, that's going to be the real test for him. Well, finalising the the Champions League section, uh, we drew Real Madrid in the quarterfinals, and if we beat them, we will face City or Atletico in the semis. As soon as the draw was made, did you start planning your trip to Paris? Uh, to be honest, do you know what? I actually think we've got a really good chance of getting to the final again. <laughs> Liverpool or Bayern? <laughs> I'd rather play Liverpool. Really? Oh, I, uh, both of them, are, if they're in form, we know what they both can do. We, we do. Bayern can always have a bad day, though. I've seen that a lot in the Bundesliga this season. Thank you, Sky Sports, for putting that on your uh, live broadcast in this season. But I've seen how Bayern, if they have a bad day, oh, wow, they can be bad. Yeah, but... I think if you look at, especially how we've played against Liverpool this season, mm-hmm. we know how to set up against Liverpool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. With that 2-2 game shows that. Yeah, we can defend well and play on the counter-attack and Liverpool leave us a lot of space. The the League Cup final, we should have won that, really. If you look mm. at the chances that we had, yeah, should have we should have won that game. Uh, Real Madrid, I've seen a lot of people concerned about playing Real Madrid and I don't get it like really I understand Karim Benzema is an incredible again incredible player in form and Vinicius Junior got to give him a shout out yeah yeah another good player having a very good season but I don't think Real Madrid are anywhere near the level of of the club you know you could be playing Real Madrid in the Champions League you think mm. oh, this is really difficult but I don't think the team's as good as the club at the moment Okay, I, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, I know they're walking La Liga, but I mean, that's another league that's dying. 
That is not strong this season. I think that has to be shouted from the rooftops. It really yeah. isn't that strong. Um, so I think we can beat Real Madrid. I really do. I think with how strong we are defensively, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I, I'm really I'm backing us to go through. And then on the other side, I think Atletico are going to do Man City. I, I wouldn't be shocked. Atletico are, well... You know, I've got to say it. We all saw what happened to Simeone as he left Old Trafford, and I just thought, if that was Chelsea, can you imagine? Imagine oh, the journalists would be typing as quickly as they could just to get an article out. Because I, I must admit that that is that is disgusting to see. I mean, it, it is. You throw in they're they're considered missiles because you, yeah, you get hit by a water bottle. We all, I know, probably laugh in the pub and whatever. It hurts. It does hurt. Bloody hurts. Uh, yeah. So. Come on, you know, there's no need for that. Um, quickly on cup competitions before we head off. Middlesbrough, everyone wants us to lose. Um, MPs want us to lose. Oh, it probably weren't the best thing that we put that statement out, but we don't know who put it out there. We really don't know. But I'd like to think we can beat Borough. It's not going to be easy because they're a good team in form in the championship. But, you know, I think Reese James is potentially not, is potentially out, as is Christensen and... Callum Hudson-Odoi as well. Um, it's going to be tough. I think we've got enough to get through it. I don't know what you think. We should have enough to get through it. I will be really disappointed if we go out of the FA Cup to Middlesbrough. Mm. I, uh, I mean, I just I just want us to win because of what the, 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 the shit storm that's been this this week with it. Look, I know, I know why. We're hated anyway. <laughs> it yeah. just seems, you know, it's we're the, the topic of hate in the football world at the moment. But, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's a victory. Uh, but, but before we sign off, we're going to do who's that former blue. At the start, I said he joined from Anderlecht. He played 118 games alongside James Milner, Wayne Bridge and Giuseppe Rossi. And finally, he's also an Olympic gold medalist. I'll give you some wild card clues. He was banned for three matches for slapping Dirk Cout in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happened. Um, I feel this clue should give him, a, not a way, but you'll go, oh, okay. His gold medal was in 1996 for Nigeria as part of that team that won the gold in the men's football. That does narrow it down, I feel, because there's not that many players from the 90s that were playing for us yeah. in the noughties. No, not even Nigeria, no. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't have, I don't, actually, I think he may have been the only one at the time, actually. Can't think of any, no. Any uh, ideas? You know what, it's going to be one of those ones, isn't it, where when you say it, it's going to be so obvious. Look, but... Wayne Bridge was at Chelsea, you know, it, that, yeah. That's pretty obvious. James Milner and Giuseppe Rossi was at Newcastle. Oh, I know who it is. Who is it? Is it Jeremy? Oh, no, it's not. Oh. And and Jeremy isn't Nigerian. Is it? Nope. Played for Cameroon. Oh. Oh, dear. Uh, so that gold medal is definitely not in his uh, collection. Obviously not. But but people are screaming, yes, he did win gold at the Sydney Games with Cameroon. 
I see. So it wasn't a terrible that, show. I know someone's going to scream that and go, come on. Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> you know, Olympics. I do like the Olympics and the football as much as some people go, oh, it's it's quite fun to watch it, to be fair. Uh, Defender. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, what was his name? I can't. I, I can't remember. The former blue was Celestine Babiaro. Babiaro. Of course it was. Oh. Yeah. With that, we've come to the end of another episode of At The Bridge Pod. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. If you do not already follow us, you can find us by searching for At, at The Bridge Pod. Um, we, we might know about more about our owners this, this coming weekend. Who knows? I mean, the deadline is tonight. So keep an eye on the Twitterverse, I say, and see what, what, what comes up. You never know who it will be. But till Monday, listeners, that will be us signing off.